Hello, this is Reverend Judith Laxer. Thank you for listening to the podcast of our service entitled Ancestral Healing. My wish is that the food for thought offered nourishes your soul. The Gaius Temple Ministry is sustained by generous donations such as yours, and we need your financial support. If everyone donated just $3 each time they listen and receive the service, that reciprocity would ensure our continuance. If you feel served by listening and wish to donate to help support our ministry, please go to our website, GaiasTemple.org, and push the donate button now. Please give generously. We'd be most grateful. Thank you, and blessed be. Blessed be indeed. Well, my friends, here we find ourselves, just as we've said several times already, drawing near to the Holy Night of Samhain, also known as the Witch's New Year. It is the Sabbath on the wheel of the year that ushers in the season of winter. It is the threshold, the portal to the season of winter. It is the time that opens up the darkest eighth on the wheel of the year. These six weeks, we have the least amount of sunlight each day. And then as we approach Yule, or right on Yule, then the days will begin to lengthen. But right now, it is the darkest time on the wheel. It is a time when the energy of the earth drops. What was up and out now drops in and down. It's a time for rest, a time for restoration. That's what the earth is doing. And we who emulate nature in our spiritual practice seek to do the same. Now we know that we can't just stop our lives and completely hunker down for a long winter's nap just yet, um, or at all really, but we can certainly slow things down, we can say no more than we say yes, and we can do whatever it is that we need to do to restore our own energetic so that in the spring we can rise with renewed vitality with the growing season. It is a time for deep reflection, and tonight, or Samhain, October 31st to November 1st, and, you know, that, that's the exact period of time, but leading up to it and shortly thereafter, that is the holiest time in pagan practice. And it is the hallowed evening. It is a sacred time because we know that on the life cycle, death is one of the greatest mysteries. And so it is that beautiful mystery that we are seeking the understanding of which we are continually chasing. At least I know I am. And as I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, it is said that on the night of Samhain, that Halloween evening, that our ancestors draw closer. The, the, the veil between the worlds grows the thinnest that it's going to be in the entire solar cycle. And so it is a good time to reach between the veil and connect with our beloved dead. So here to sing us into that beautiful place is the beautiful Celia. Take it away, Celia. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. It's a pleasure to be here. This song is called um, The Ancestor Song or The Sound Song. Hmm. Give me a second to get my drone going. There we go. Hmm. 
Loving our ancestors Sounding, sounding Calling your wisdom in Sounding, sounding Calling your wisdom in Sounding, sounding The veil is We call your wisdom in the veil is there, calling all ancestors so Calling all ancestors, Samuel, Samuel, calling all ancestors, Samuel, calling your guidance in Samuel, Samuel, calling your wisdom in Samuel, Samuel. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Oh, got a little, there we go. Thank you, Celia. That's so beautiful. So, I've talked a fair amount by now in Gaia's Temple about the recent uh, discovery of epigenetics, which is the, um, the, this discovery that we do carry our ancestors' memories within the scaffolding of our own DNA. 
they say that we are carrying those memories for at least one or two generations. But if you're anything like me, you might feel that you are carrying memories for centuries and centuries and centuries. So when the veil is thin, this is a good time to do some ancestral healing because it's in us. Their experience is part of what we carry. It's part of who we become. And if we are carrying their memories that might be difficult or challenging, that's going to be affecting us. And it's in our body, but might not necessarily be in our consciousness or in our conscious awareness. And so when we bring it to our conscious awareness, we have the opportunity to do some healing. And of course, when the veil is thin, if this is ancestral healing we want to do, this is a good time to do it. Some of the memories that we carry from our ancestors are beautiful and loving and wondrous and joyful. And some of them are harrowing and grisly and filled with pain and loss. And so all of these memories that we carry within us are going to affect us. How often have we asked ourselves, why can't we learn from history? Even recent history that we have actual stories from. Forget ancient history that somehow has gone into myth and legend and we don't even know if it's true. But even our own history, five years ago, ten years ago, a decade ago, sometime within this century. Why can't we learn from our histories? Why can't we change how we're going to behave, especially if we know that this particular behavior is going to lead to this crisis or this chaos or this horrible thing. Why can't we learn from our history? I think that one reason why we seem to be doomed not to be able to learn from our history is because we are living out the wounds. We have not done the healing. We're not living out of the healing or a healed place. So we all know as human beings, we have thoughts and we have feelings. And the feelings that we have often are there despite our rational thinking, right? So like, for example, let's say, oh, we're depressed. Now, we can tell ourselves we have no reason to be depressed. We can employ all the practices we know, like counting our blessings. We can remind ourselves that this too shall pass. And still, we can feel depressed. We can tell ourselves there's no logical reason to feel the way we're feeling, and yet we can still feel it. Those feelings create a reality, and that reality then becomes something that we believe, and we live out of that belief. Now, sometimes we are depressed because of circumstances that are happening in the moment. All of us have had difficulties in our lives, and they can put us in a pretty, pretty bad state of mind. But sometimes it comes from a deeper ingrained lineage that we are carrying on a body level. So our bodies are incredibly intelligent. They have an intelligence all their own. And I know I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. Our bodies know exactly what it is to do. We don't have to say, hey lungs, please breathe. Breathe again, breathe again, breathe again. Our lungs just know to keep breathing. 
Our digestion just knows to keep digesting our food. When we are tired enough, we will fall asleep. When our bodies are rested, hopefully when our bodies are rested, we will wake up. The body just has an intelligence of its own. We don't have to cognitively tell it everything that it needs to do in order to keep us alive. So these are the functions of our body intelligence that bypasses our cognition. We don't have to think about it. So similarly, if we are carrying memories inside our intelligent bodies, and these memories of our loss or wounding, our bodies are going to innately respond to what it knows. Our bodies know to take another breath. Our bodies know there's a condition in here and we need to respond to it. I think that this is the principle behind epigenetics. It's part of our body's intelligence. So this will also explain why we have some propensities towards some things uh, that make no sense or why we engage in dysfunctional behaviors when we can source no specific cause or reason for it in our own lives. Like for instance, like how come we can't just have one, one beer, you know, or one piece of pie? Why does it have to be to excess? Perhaps we are playing out the voraciousness of our ancestors who starved as either refugees or slaves taken against their will. Uh, sometimes we are living a scarcity mindset, even though we have always had enough. Uh, perhaps we're playing out the lack and hardship that our ancestors experienced uh, without our consciously knowing it. Our bodies are informing us through the memories in our DNA that we better grab all we can get because life is just one shortage after the next. This is what kind of comes down through the bloodline. So if you've ever asked yourself, you know, why am I so, or, or how can I, why, how come I can never, you know, fill in the blank. If there's an always, already, constant going in your life, and you can come up with no specific reason that you can remember in your lived experience, it might very well be ancestral. And so it's good to look for those patterns, and that will clue us in to where the healing is necessary. Now, that's just us within our own personal lives. Of course, this happens between cultures, between faith paths. Um, this is what's behind every war that's ever fought, ever fought. This is behind racism. This is behind, well, war and racism, you know, just like a fancy way of saying everything that's going wrong on the planet and everything that's been going wrong on the planet for as long as we can remember. Because we keep repeating the pattern until we source it and do some healing. There is a, a magnificent song in the musical South Pacific called You've Got to Be Carefully Taught. And the lyrics go like this. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read them to you. You've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You have to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught before it's too late, before you were six or seven or eight, to hate all the people your relatives hate. You've got to be carefully taught. Of course, this is my magnificent song because it's kind of 
sung ironically. It's not a directive like, you better teach your children, but it shows us how that just comes down the pike. So whether we are carefully and specifically taught or whether we just pick up on the scarcity and the racism and all of the language that our elders have used uh, without consciously considering whether that is right action, right language, or we even believe it, we simply continue their lineage. And worse, we just keep passing it on. I might have called this service, the buck stops here. We come from a very long line of humans who have been at war and suffered from disease and slavery and oppression, starvation, separation from loved ones, catastrophe of one, of one sort or another. So what we're talking about here is ancestral trauma. Now trauma is defined as a psychological, emotional response to an event or an experience that is deeply disturbing or distressing. Trauma events are marked by a sense of horror, helplessness, serious injury, or the threat of serious injury or death. That threat part is a lot of what I think we are experiencing in our culture at this time. It feels like everything is threatening around us. And what that also tells me in that definition of what trauma is marked by is that it's really very personal because you might not be threatened by something that I feel intensely threatened by. So there's no judgment about what forms of trauma or not. Trauma is a personal response to one of those feelings of horror and helplessness and threat to our very lives or injury, serious injury. When we become traumatized, obviously, I think it's pretty obvious that we lose power. We lose agency and control over our, of our lives. And if we don't work to heal the trauma, then we are just behaving out of it. And this is part of what keeps that ancestral trauma coming down the line. Now, there is much available to us. We are so blessed, really, um, because there is so much available to us to do some healing of this trauma. Psychiatrist, psychiatrist Besson van der Kirk says that trauma treatment is not about telling stories from the past. Trauma treatment is about helping people to be here now, to tolerate what they feel right in the present. Now, of course, there is therapeutic merit in talking about the past, in recalling the specific trauma and processing. We all need to tell our stories and be heard and witnessed, but that's only one part of it. In order to move on from that, the further healing comes in developing tolerance for the feeling that past trauma brings in the present moment. Because sometimes we can just talk about our trauma and just kind of keep triggering ourselves. We just keep bringing up the trauma and re-traumatizing ourselves by going over and over and over it. So in the moment when we are feeling the difficulty from that trauma, right then and there, we have to bring ourselves to the present moment, remind ourselves that we are safe right here and right now that that is something that happened, 
but it is not happening in this moment, right here, right in this moment. I'm fine. You are fine. We are good. We've moved on. It's about bringing ourselves repeatedly into the present moment. I don't think when there's trauma of any sort that it's going to be a one and done. I think this is something that we have to repeat to continually remind ourselves in this moment we are safe from harm. Between telling our stories and processing them and continuing to bring ourselves into the present moment, I think we have a chance to heal these traumas. Now, trauma triggers us, right? I use the word trigger, and it's very common in our culture to say, I get triggered by this and triggered by that. In a similar situation that has caused the original trauma, something can trigger us. So we might not be back in that moment of being mugged, let's say, um, but if we feel like someone looks suspicious and they might be coming after us, we will have that response. It's just automatic. Like um, when you think about pulling a trigger on a gun, right? That bullet flies. There, there's no stopping that bullet once that trigger has happened, right? But the healing can happen before we pull that trigger, before the bullet flies, by saying no, that's just a person walking on the street. Perhaps they look like my mugger from the past, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be mugged again. I'm just using really simple analogies, uh, but just to point out how we want to get ahead of what triggers us so that in that moment, we create a little bit of spaciousness and then we can act from a different place. You know, we have similar, or we might have similar propensity for traumas as our ancestors did, right? It's kind of like, you know, when you bite the inside of your cheek and then you just keep biting it and biting it and biting it. It's like a soft spot and it's like a default. You just keep going there again and again. So this is why we want to look to what are the patterns? What happens that puts me in that trauma response again and again and again? And that's what start to clue us in on exactly where that healing needs to happen. Now listen, I know I'm talking about a huge topic here and there is much to discuss about this, but I wanna offer it up as food for thought because when we look at what's going on in our world and the divisiveness that is happening and how we get very concretized in our viewpoint and it continues the rift between people, between factions, in communities, in families, between couples, between us and ourselves, there is deep healing that needs to happen. So even though I'm really talking about the tip of the iceberg here, there is an iceberg there. And as we know, the majority of the iceberg is under the surface. And in the deep, dark time of Samhain, it's a good time to look into the deep and dark. Now, we live in a world that is frankly traumatizing. <laughs> uh, we have our own wounding within our own current life, and then that is layered upon the existing ancestral trauma that's in our bodies. I mean, good grief, it's a wonder we can get out of bed in the morning sometimes, you know? But actually what that's showing us is just how strong and resilient we actually are, that we do get out of bed in the morning and that we can keep going. We must remember that we are strong and resilient also because of our ancestors. Not only are we who we are in part because of them, but we carry their gifts 
as well as their wounds. We carry their gifts also. It's very easy when we're in a healing process and we're focused on the wound and healing to think that's all there is. But part of the balancing act is to remember that we also carry their gifts that come down the line. So those gifts can be glorious, like musical talent, or maybe you're a whiz at solving problems, or you, you can just figure out how to create or make something. You've got kind of like an engineer's mind, or you can cook up a storm, or you're an instinctual healer, right? Even, even sometimes you just need a goodly amount of curly hair, and that's what comes down. You know, all of these things are gifts, and they are truly gifts from our ancestors. Despite the hardships that they endured, their gifts also come down the line. So here is where these two things come together about the wounding and the gifts. There is wisdom in knowing that there are gifts within the wound. And that's a hard one because gifts are painful and it's hard to think of pain as a gift. We wanna stop pain, we don't want to be in pain. We don't even like to say the word pain. But if we consider that perhaps part of our soul's path is to overcome scarcity in this lifetime, let's just say, for example, then it might be that we are born into a lineage where scarcity is the paradigm so that we can work to overcome it. And then, you know, because if you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, there would be no impetus to develop a prosperity mindset. But if you come into a scarcity paradigm, which I think is very common for many of us, particularly if you're any kind of an artist in the world, right? Scarcity is kind of like the name of the game, right? Because we're not valued the way other professions are valued. If we are here for that and we are working to overcome a scarcity mindset, then scarcity is the painful part but the gift is that in healing it, we learn to recognize the world as abundant. That is a gift. So the gift can be in the wound. Another example is that perhaps your soul's path is to learn how to really take very good care of your body in this lifetime, this temple of your spirit, that you're gonna stop thinking of it as just a little container for your brain, that your body itself requires so much care and perhaps in this lifetime, you're learning to take care of yourself in a way that you've never had to do before. And maybe if that's the case, you chose to come into a lineage of addictive type behaviors, for instance, in order for you to work to overcome, to learn how to care for your body in this lifetime. That can be the gift that comes out of the wound. So like I said, this is very simplified as examples but just to kind of show you the mechanism of looking at what are the hardships, what are the wounds, and then what can we glean from that? What are the, what's, what's the gold in there? What's the pearl that started with that little gritty bit of sand that becomes the precious jewel? I believe that's part of our ancestral healing, and I believe that's a good thing to be doing at this time. So... Let's see if we can look within there and find something that needs to heal. So if you would, take a moment now, close your eyes, go within. Let's take a nice deep breath. 
and find your grounding core deep in the earth. And if you came into our service after we created sacred space, go ahead and ground yourself now and feel yourself deeply connected to the earth and held so that in this visualization, you can experience a rootedness and a safety. Good, and then bring your attention to your third eye in the center of your forehead. Imagine it like an actual eye, like your other two. Go ahead and open it up and look out through it into your imagination and find yourself on a day much like this one in mid-October when the air has cooled and the leaves are ablaze with color and signs of Samhain are everywhere to be seen, orange pumpkins and witches and skeletons and bats and cats. And find yourself sitting in front of your ancestor altar, an altar at home that you have already created with photos and remembrances of your beloved dead. And it just feels so nice to give yourself the time to just sit here for a while and look at their photos and allow your memories to come to the fore. So do that for just a moment now. Look at the items on your altar and think about your ancestors on the other side of the thinning veil. And just doing this makes them draw even closer to you. And it feels wonderful, like being wrapped in a warm blanket of unconditional love. And it makes you realize that even if you did not have a completely harmonious relationship with your ancestor when you shared life on this side of the veil, now that they're on the other side, there's no more rancor. There's no more personality conflicts. Nothing but soul-to-soul -soul love. That's what you feel. Now in a moment, sitting here in the presence of your ancestors, I'm going to ask you to allow yourself to look within your heart and soul and find something that you inherited from one of them. Something emotionally, psychologically, or even physically challenging. And I'm going to ask you to do this softly, to seek this gently, because you know these things. The purpose of this ancestral healing that must be done with love, so that as you heal this thing in your life, you are also healing it for them. Because you know that they will augment that healing with their unconditional love through the veil. It will be a relief for them as well. And because you know that this is a joint effort that both of you and your ancestor are making together, because you know that this will heal the lineage so that the one you pass down to those coming after you is one that is already healed. So perhaps you ask yourself this question to find what that challenge is. You know, that question, why am I always or how come I can never, right? And then fill in the blank to find what that ancestral wound is that you are carrying and playing out in your life. So take a moment now and gently seek that out.
Good. Now, as objectively as you can, with no judgment whatsoever, think about what gift that wound might possibly offer you. What gift or skill will you acquire in the process of healing this wound? Take a deep breath. Now, if you feel at all triggered by contemplating this, remember that you are here, this is now, and you are safe within this loving community in our temple, a sanctuary of safe space. Bring yourself present back in this moment. Now, in your whole heart and in your soul, thank your ancestor for this gift. Let them know that you no longer need the challenges because you have found the intended gift within them. Let them know that you will do everything in your power to develop their gift to you so the wounded behavior is no longer necessary. Let them know that now. Now on the altar before you is an unlit candle and some matches or a lighter. So go ahead and light the candle now as an expression of your love and gratitude, a way to let your ancestor know that you are holding the light of their soul on this side of the veil. Go ahead and do that now. Light that candle. And then let all of those images fade and bring yourself gently back here to Gaia's temple. And now Celia has another song for us. And we hear seven generations. 
Thank you so much for your beautiful music today, Celia. Thank you so much, my friend. You know, I believe that our ancestors want us to live lives of freedom and happiness and health and joy, right? Just as we want our children and those coming after us to have it better than we have it. The ancestral healing that we do now is an act of love for the future. When we find the gift within the wound, when we tend to the wound, when we heal it, when we liberate ourselves from behaving out of ancestral trauma, what goes forth instead is beauty and harmony and healing and music and flowers and chocolate and peace and love and rock and roll and all the good things. It takes effort. It's easy to stay the same. It's not easy to change. But the effort is worth it because then our lineage will be one of peace. When I get to the other side and I'm an ancestor, I want to know I left this world a better place than I found it. And we can do that by doing this ancestral healing. So my friends, may your ancestors bless you with strength and fortitude through the thinning veil in season. May they work with you and provide guidance and solace. May you find the gift within the wound and tend to that wound with healing and love. More than anything, may the joyous gifts and talents 
that come down your bloodline far outweigh any hardships. And may you employ those gifts and talents for the highest good of all. Blessed be.